once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. How responsive is a dead person? Can you tickle them and have them laugh? Can you put on music and get them to dance? Seems the dead are free to ignore us. Thanks to Christ's sacrifice, we can consider ourselves dead to sin. So why not be dead and ignore it when it comes calling? Lead teacher Randy Pope continues the series Freedom with the second part of the message Freedom from Sin, which covers Romans chapter 6, verses 11 through 14. Thank you for joining us today. If you're new with us, we began a new series last week. It's entitled Freedom. Freedom. The text that we're using is Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7. I would really encourage you, uh, if you were not with us last week, get the podcast. I don't say that often, but when I most often do say that, it's after week one for those that missed the first week, because it really is the foundation. It is the, it's the basis for the whole series, so I hope that you get that. I'll add to that, I'll do a little review, but go back and get the podcast, I think you'll find that to be most helpful. Let me give you a a quick overview of the two chapters. I put it up like this. It's about freedom, freedom from three things. Freedom from sin, chapter 6. Freedom from the law, first part of chapter 7. And then thirdly, freedom to struggle. I make this prediction. If you're not a Christian, you're probably going to be misled to some degree, by listening to the common story of what it means to be a Christian. You're going to think that it means deciding to follow Jesus, to believe what he says, and to do what he says to do. Now, that's not all wrong, but by itself is a very incomplete story. I would suggest when you, even as those of us here that are Christians... When we start understanding what it means to really be free from sin, and that has to do with the nature of sin, when we become free from the law and understand what that really means, that we are free from the law, never again having that law over us. And then we begin to realize that even as we understand freedom from sin and the law and get confused so often, well, why am I struggling the way I struggle in my faith? To realize, no, there's great freedom in the fact that we can struggle and that we should struggle and we will struggle. It's kind of like blinders go off and people go, wow, that's what the faith of Christianity is about. I thought it was just following Jesus. It is following Jesus. But you need to understand a lot more than just that. I said last week that the book of Romans has often been called the crown jewel of the New Testament. I truly believe it is. If you look at the book of Romans, the reality is that there's a a big picture. It's the whole story of salvation in the first eight or so chapters. If you really want to understand the Christian life, you've got to understand Romans 1 through 8. If you want to understand Romans 1 through 8, this is just to make it really, really simple. If you want to understand Romans 1 through 8, then kind of give your focus to Romans 6 and 7. And by the way, if you want to know Romans 6 and 7, really understand it. 
then focus really on Romans 6, 1 through 14. And if you want to know Romans 6, 1 through 14, if you want to understand it, then you need to know the meaning of three words found in the text. So I always say, go to the simplest, simplest, simplest and get it. And then it opens up and it opens up and it opens up. So we've got to get these three words. Now, if you've been around perimeter through our discipleship, you've heard these words over and over and over again. I hope you're just almost sick and tired of them. Because you've got you to get these three words. You've got to understand them. But I'd like for you, since we went over the, all three, I mentioned them last week, they were in our bulletin, I'd like for you to make my day, all right? Without looking down and reading, which does not make my day, I want you to tell me the three words, if you can remember them from the past, okay? Number one is the word what? No. K-N-O-W, no. Number two? Consider. And number three? Present. Those are our three words. Now, let's take the word no. I'm going to do a little bit of review, and then I'm going to expand a little bit. I'm going to add a bit to what we've already said. Knowledge. The Christian faith, as it begins to work in the lives of people, always predicated upon knowledge or truth. Always. I like the way the great John Stott, none better than that man, He put it this way, the secret to holy living begins in the mind. It always begins with what we know. If it ends there, no good. But it always begins right here. Very, very important. Now, here's the quick review. People that come to faith, become Christians, are called in Christ. In Christ. People that are in Christ have two natures, unlike those who are in Adam who have one nature. Now, that which is true of people in Christ, two things, very important words, sealed and filled. We went over those. Sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then we say always sealed, but only capable of being filled. We talked about when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says... It is by walking in the Spirit, which is the same as being filled with the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, we do not carry out the desires of the flesh. That's the sin that we're all battling with every day. He gives us the answer right there. How do you deal with your sin? Walk. Walk in the Spirit. Most people rarely, Christians, rarely consciously think about walking in the Spirit. We talked about that last week. How rare it is to appropriate the power consciously say God I need to appropriate your power right now so we talked about those two very important appropriating the power of the Holy Spirit now I use a little illustration I I didn't use last week I I think this one kind of gives you a, a good memory picture I like to think of it like this reminded by an event that happened a number of years ago is one of our Security staff was coming into church the same time I was coming in early in the morning. And uh, I was driving my car, and he's riding a bicycle. And so I commented on the fact. I said, I'm impressed. Did you come from your home uh, this early morning? I said, I did. I said, where do you live? And he told me it was a good ways away, and I knew the terrain and the hills. And I said, wow. I said, I'm really impressed. He said, don't be. 
I said, why? He said, look at my bike. So I look at it, it's a little sturdier than normal, but it's a bike. Pedals, handlebars, same thing. And I say, I see? What, what are you talking about? He said, do you see the little box by the pedals? And I said, yeah, what's that? He said, that's a motor. <laughs> he said, you see this little thing on my, my handlebar? I said, oh, I can coast down hills and get a little exercise and, you know, pedal. But when I see a hill, oh, I just turn the motor on. I heard that and I said, boy, is that not the story of your and my faith as Christians? And we see, we see that hill coming and we remember the early morning. We said, oh God, I'm, I'm committed to following you today. I'm going to be obedient to you today. And then we see that, that hill of temptation. We say, God, I'm going to get to the top of that for your honor. I won't let that stop me. And then we get halfway up the hill. We get off and we're exhausted. We say, God, I'm so sorry. You've done so much for me. How can I not be obedient here? Tomorrow when I hit this hill, I'm going straight to the top. And the next day, we see that hill and we start a little extra early and we give it everything we got and we get a little further, but we don't make it. And we apologize. Say, oh God, I'm so sorry. Please, not again. I'll never do that again. I'm sorry. Tomorrow. And the next day it happens. And finally, we come to that place where we say, I can't. Willpower has done all willpower can do. And in light of willpower, we can't. But there's a sense in which we've got, a, we've got a, an opportunity to say, Lord, your power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what appropriating the power of the Holy Spirit is. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. So that's pretty important stuff, right? For all of us. Who's not facing temptation? Who as Christians does not want to get through temptation? Well, we better have power. Well, we talked about the Christian now having the ability and so forth. We talked about the concern of the reader. The reader was really concerned. A lot of them were that Paul was writing about as, you know, as sin increases, grace increases all the more. And so in the first couple of verses of Romans chapter 6, He starts with their question, what shall we say then? Should we continue to sin that grace might increase? And he comes back to his own rhetorical question. He says, absolutely not. Literally, God forbid. No, 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 no. And then he says, how is it that someone who has died to sin would still live in it? He's not saying it can't happen, but he's saying it's so absurd. We talked about the word die. It means to be separated. Sin is not just sins that we commit, but it's the sin. There's an article in the Greek language, the sin, which tells us it's always talking about the nature of sin. How is it that we who have died to sin, died means to be separated, separated from your sin nature, that we would then go back and start living in it? He said it just doesn't make sense. Then he goes to the next verses, 3 through 5, and he introduces this idea of all Christians... Every single Christian, at the moment of salvation, they're baptized. It has nothing to do with the water. And we talked about, gave you the term baptism and showed you the definition. It talks about something or someone that's being placed into a new environment in such a way that it changes the relationship that one had with the old environment. Well, with that, we talked about, we talked about, well, how are we changed? What's the new environment? And we are actually baptized into three aspects of Christ's life. It's his death, 
his burial, and his resurrection. And so that's what he says. Do you not realize that you've been baptized? That in Christ's death, we, were, we died with him? What, what does that mean? Oh, separated. Oh, what do you mean? Well, because of his death, we're separated from what? Our sin nature. We are united with him. We're buried with him. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, well, it means that we have a new nature now that we are bound to. Oh, and as he was raised, we're, what do you mean? Well, he was resurrected. Even so, we are in Christ and we are raised up to a whole new capability power of living. How? Appropriating the power of the Spirit. It was there that I used the fist illustration. And again, very quickly, here am I. This is my sin nature. I come into this world like this. I'm bound. I have to be, I can't get away. I'm bound unless I die to sin. And because of Christ's death, boom, there's a separation. Now, this hand needs to stay there. But if I had another hand, and this is God's spirit, and now I'm united, buried with him, I am now one with him. But this over here, the nature, it's still a part of life. It's still a part of me. It's there, but I'm no longer bound to it. Very important. Now, Romans 6, 6, I want to put that up one more time. Romans 6, 6 says, knowing this, again, that word knowing, our old self, we said that is not the old sin nature. That's the former self. That's Randy before he became a Christian. You, if you're a Christian, before you became a Christian. If a real Christian, we'll never be non-Christian again. That's the old self, crucified, in order that the body of sin, there's the nature of sin, might be done away with. We said done away with does not mean it's eradicated. It means that it is rendered powerless very important rendered powerless so that we would no longer be slaves to sin he caps that whole thought off in verse 7 and there in verse 7 he says if you've died to, if you've died to sin you are freed from sin and he makes it very clear now the word free to use is the word justified it carries the idea of justification what does that mean declared right you mean all of this stuff this and this and this is all made possible how not because i follow jesus no it's because i'm justified i'm declared righteous that's why i follow jesus if i have the ability and the heart and the desire to follow him how did that happen well i got justified oh so he says now that's what you've got to know Keep all that in mind. That's what you have to know. But he doesn't stop the text there. Very importantly, he goes on and he introduces a second word to us is the word consider. It's found in, in verse 11. And I'd like for you to read with me that verse 11. It says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Uh, consider yourself. To be dead. In other words, think about the implications of this. The word literally, take into account, consider, take into account. It's a term that would be used in a, uh, in a business that calls in an accountant. And they says, okay, we're having some trouble here. Don't figure out what's going on. Can, can you help us? And they come in, they look at all the facts. And then as a result of seeing all the facts, they say, here is where you stand. He's saying, now what you need to do is realize you have a new standing. 
separated, united, raised up. That's a new standing. Now what you've got to do is consider those facts. You've got to understand those facts. See, I'm convinced that we all, to some degree, have brain leakage. Would you agree? Now, just last night, I'm leaving to go to the uh, service, and, and, and Carol says to me, before you leave, would you do... And it was a simple little task. I said, sure. I went upstairs, and I did half the task. And I forgot the other half. I missed... I just, I just missed it. I didn't, I didn't get, what happened? It was a brain leakage somewhere, you know? <laughs> Most wives are convinced that's true of their husbands, right? That we have brain leakage. Well, let me tell you, it's all of us. We do have brain leakage. We learn things and then it's like, it's gone. Where did it go? I used the story of tennis. I used to be an avid, avid tennis player. I'd be playing and maybe I'm playing someone that I should beat and I'm out playing with them and and, uh, boy, they just realize my backhand is just not going. It's, something's wrong. And so they just feed the backhand, backhand, back until they beat me. And I'm thinking, what's wrong? What was happening to my backhand? And I'd be in the shower. And maybe I'm still thinking, now, what happened out there? Why couldn't I? And it's like, oh, oh, of course. Look where I had my racket head. You can't hit a back. What, what? Now, I didn't learn anything new in the shower, did I? No. It's just I considered something that I knew that it somehow leaked out during that process. I had to bring it back. That's what Paul is telling us. He's saying, I know you learned this stuff, but now your responsibility now is to consider what you know. So you got to consider it. Now, here's what he's saying. He says, consider how absurd... Consider just how absurd it is to go back and live in sin after you've died to sin. Is that not absurd? I mean, it would be as as foolish as a married person who has a wonderful spouse and family and says, you know what I'm going to do? I don't think it'll bother anything. I'll kind of live as if I'm single. And they destroy their marriage and family. Or it'd be as crazy as someone who's adult says, you know what I'm going to do? I think I'll go back and be a child again. Nobody wants to do that. Maybe some people do want to do that. I don't know. (laughs) But it'd be kind of absurd living like a child when you're an adult. Or how about being a prisoner who's been set free and then saying, "Eh, I think I'll go back in the cell and stay there a couple more years. No, that's absurd. Why would we ever do that? It's considering also the fact that I don't have to sin any longer. I'm not bound to sin. Do you understand? This is the way it works. It's, it's the idea of a burglar. It'd be as if, you know, you, or, or maybe it's, it's my story, that I, I'm at home and a burglar breaks in. And they, they bind me and they put my hands behind a chair and they tie my hands to the chair and my feet to the chair and I, I can't move. I can't do anything. I'm bound. He says, there is the picture of being in Adam. That's the way we come into the world. As regards sin, uh-uh, we're going to get whooped every time. We might do the right things, but we'll do it for the wrong motive. There'll be sin in everything we do. We're bound to it. But he says, then... We are rescued. That's what the work of Christ. He rescues us. What happens when we're rescued? 
We are set free. We're now free. Free to do what? We're free to fight the burglar. And the great news is that we are given the power or ability. We can choose to fight in the will power that we have or to use God's power. But how foolish it would be to actually go back to our sin when we've been freed from our sin, to go back and just live in it. I use the, I use the story of, uh, of the pirate's ship. Some of you heard this story that I've used. Pirate ship has uh, an old Captain Jones. Jo- oh, Jones is, is mean and vicious and everybody hates him. And, and finally one night they say, hey, enough's enough. And they say, it's time for mutiny. And so they bind him. They realize they have everybody on their side. So he has no hope now. They bind him. They have him walk the plank. They choose their new captain, Captain Smith, that's a really good man. And Captain Smith says, no, no, I'm the new captain. I'm going to say, don't, don't, no, no walking the plank right now. We're going to be, at, we're going to be at, at shore in three days, and we're putting the old Captain Jones out. And we'll never see him again. We'll head out forever and ever, never to see him again. By the way, you don't even need to bind him. Let him go. He, he has, he's rendered powerless. He has nobody. He has no weapons. No, just, he's rendered powerless. And so then the new captain, Smith, says, and by the way, you've been laboring as slaves. Would you just rest for these three days? Sleep, play cards, do whatever you want to do. Just enjoy yourself. And everybody's laying around the deck and sleeping and playing games And here comes old Captain Jones. He turns the corner. He sees a few laying around and sleeping and playing. And he says, get up and swab the deck. And everybody jumps up and grabs their pails and grabs their mops. And they start mopping and they're just sweating in the heat of the day. And all of a sudden, coming around the corner, here comes Captain Smith. And Captain Smith says, what are you doing? Why are you working? Oh, Captain Jones told us we had to. Captain Jones, do you not know that he's been rendered powerless? Oh, yeah. Why don't you consider that as you determine what you're doing or not doing? So consider this. You don't have to sin. You can stop the sin. You know, there is a text in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. God is faithful, will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you're able, but will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. It's a great promise. Is it true? Only in light of this teaching. You see, when I hear somebody who says, I am a Christian, a real Christian, I love the Lord, but I cannot stop this sin. I say, you can't stop the sin. No. I cannot be obedient. I cannot be obedient. I've tried. I can't be obedient. Then I know one of two things is true. Either, number one, they're really not a Christian. It's not ever true that a Christian can't be obedient. Now, I will put a little premise here. There are addictions where chemical issues become into play in such a way that you need extreme treatment and so forth to help. I understand that. But even and with that, there's still this other reality, too, that when we say, I can't, there's no, 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 you can. There is a way, and it might include treatment. It might include this, but there is a way. Either you're not a Christian, and then you can say, I can't be obedient, or you're a Christian, 
and you either won't or you don't because you don't know or maybe you know but you're not considering what you know because that's what God tells there's no temptation taken but God will allow you to get through that temptation he'll give what how it's right here we're studying how appropriating the power of God's spirit very important that we remember that and then I would say this idea of considering carries the idea of considering our identity with Christ and by the way I'm gonna make this really 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 simple at the in about five minutes because I'm gonna give you a little prayer that kind of puts it all together I think in a way to remember all this but I think the heart of the heart of the heart here is we're remembering our identity with Jesus dead buried raised that's what's so important our identity shapes who we are we become as we think of ourselves as a man thinks in his mind his heart so is he we become what we think of ourselves so where's our identity last week I think I hit on a little nerve with some of us not some of you some of us because when we talked about our identity in schools my identity is so much in the school if they win I'm a happy person. If they lose, I am miserable to be with. But it's not just schools. It's professions. It's parenting. It's, it's ministry. I mean, what, what defines us? Who, how do we see who we are? Who are you? Are you a businessman, a businesswoman? If that's your first identity, then you better watch how your business goes and you'll determine how life is. Oh, I'm a parent. That's what I see myself. I'm a parent. Well, if you're a parent, then as your children go, so go you. It's just the way it's going to work. And we can determine if something is our identity by do we allow it to get us up and does it take us down if it's not going well, up if it is going well. Is that where do I put all my resources, where do I put my time and energy? It, it's a telltale on us. Well, we have many different identities. And what do we do? Do we just push our identities away? No. In fact, some of our identities aren't wrong or bad identities the idea is we replace the value of those identities with the value of a new identity. That's what Christian living is. It's just we identify ourselves more and more and more with Christ. The more we can find ourselves in joy. Why? Because he's not, he's not, you know, up and down and maybe he's good today. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's faithful. Maybe he's not. No, that's true of all of other identities, but not with him. And when we start saying, oh, no, 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 who am I? I am in Christ. And in Christ, man, I'm dead. I'm buried, united with Jesus. I'm raised up to new life. Now, if we get that identity, how is that going to ever happen? I'll tell you how we think ourselves as a business person. We go to work every day. And it's right in front of us every day. Parenting, right in front of us. School reading the stories, watching the games. It's there in front of us. It's the same way how we find our identity more and more in Christ is we put it in front of us. There needs to be time. It's called meditating. It's meditating on the truth where we say, okay, I got to think about these truths. And I think the more we simplify those truths and we get it down to three words, no consider, present, that unlocks a lot of thought and truth to me. But I got to start somewhere. Let me just take those words and try to think about them. Well, there's one last word. It's very brief. It's the word present. If you were here last week, you heard me say that 
Freedom requires, and we said it's an informed mind and a surrendered heart. Well, considering no has to do with what's happening in the mind. But now we need to move it to the heart. There's got to be more than just knowledge and remembrance. It is now a surrender. And the word that he's going to use here is present. And it's the idea of surrendering, giving. And here's how these verses, the last verses 12 through 14 read. They say, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What are your members? Well, it's the eyes, what we see, our ears, what we hear, our mouth, what we say, our hands, what we do, our feet, where we go, our mind, what we think, our hearts, what we embrace with affection. I don't know about you, but for me, it's every day. It's... It's, oh God, I gave, you my, I gave you my eyes and look what I looked at. God, I gave you my mind, look what I'm thinking. God, I gave you my whatever. And it's like, uh-oh, new presentation time. What I found, what I found is that I need to have a time in the morning, a time kind of in the middle of the day, and a time at night. This is what I'm doing. I, I, Take a, a little short period of time and I go through know, consider, and present. Because I understand this much. I understand that by knowing and considering, I've got to be able to remember that I can't. Do you understand how important that is? We can't. I can remember a man that I... I looked at when I was a young Christian student and I was a student and I, I said, this man, 15, 20 years, my senior, I don't remember. But gosh, he lived the Christian life so effectively. I watched him live a dead life to himself and so alive to God. I went to him and I said, look, I, I don't know what your secret is, but I want to know what it is. How do you live this way? And he said, you know, do you do push-ups? And I said, uh, I do. And uh, he said, how many is your max of push-ups? And I gave him that number. He says, is that truly your max? I mean, you couldn't do one more than that? I said, that would be my max. So he said, let's say you're accurate and that is your max. So you do it to show me and you get to the last push-up. And you're just pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's like, oh, my, 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 my. And you feel like you can't get it. And you finally get that push-up. And let's assume that I have the ability And I turn down to you and I say with that ability, I'll give you a million dollars if you can do one more push-up. He said, do you think you could do one more push-up? I said, well, I probably could do one more. Adrenaline would probably kick in, you know. Yeah, a million dollars probably could. And he said, you try and I think you probably would get one more. But he said, this is what it would look like. You'd start it and you'd be shaking and it would be, and you would just be, and you'd think, I can't, I don't know, and you finally get it. And I lean down and I say, five million dollars if you can do one more. He said, you think you'd try? I said, well, I'd try. He said, you know what would happen? The moment you broke your, your arms, the weight would come down boom, your chest would hit the ground. You know what you'd probably do? You'd probably look up at me and he'd say, you'd say, I can't. 
He said, when you as a Christian come to the place in your life to honestly believe that every day, I can't. And you remember, he can and he will. That's when God starts working in you and through you. That's where it begins. Well, there is the I can't and you can. That's what we know. And then there is a surrender. That's a presentation. And so this is a little prayer that I pray in the morning. I pray in the afternoon. I prayed it five times probably already today. But this is what I pray. And not because I'm preaching it. It's because this is what I have to keep praying. Resolve to consider what I know. I flip it around because it makes sense. I need to consider what I know. And I usually stop there. And this is what I think about. My hands. Separated. Joined. And raised up. And that's my memory to remember what he's done for me. See, the Christian life is predicated on what he's done for us, not what we do for him. And that starts the early day saying, that's what I've got to remember. But it goes on. And to present to you my body and its members as instruments of righteousness. And that's where I and I say, Lord, here's my eyes. And here's my hands. Here's my feet. And I think about what they represent. Here's my mind. Here's my heart. And I often do this. And I say, Lord, here's my time. Here's, here you go. And I know, Lord, I'm going to take it back over and over and over again. When I do, I'll say, oop, Lord, I've got to represent to you right now. I took it away. I know it's true. But I didn't consider it enough or I wouldn't have taken it away. But I give it back now. And then at least having a little time in the afternoon, a little time at night, And who knows, it becomes a bigger part of your identification. And you see yourselves identified with Christ more and more and more. And that's when you've appropriated the power of the Holy Spirit in the surrender. And that's where you begin to grow in your faith. This is important stuff. Hey, you that are seekers here, don't don't listen when they say, oh, it's just about... Believing and following. It is about believing. It is about following. But it's understanding what he's done. Know, consider, present. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, I pray for friends that are here now that are seeing your love, what you've done, your work on the cross. And I I pray, Father, that just seeing that work and understanding it would, would cause many, even this minute, to have a a birth experience of the heart, a love relationship that's born, that people that would look back to this day and say, I think this was the day I I really saw it, I got it, and my life was changed forever. Grant that even now to happen, Father. I pray for those of us that are your children, and I ask that we might have an ability, an ability now to to be able to, to know and consider, and consider often what we know. We even might even be telling you now that we'll take two times a day or one time or whatever and just to constantly keep this before us. But we want to meditate on the truth and we want the freedom that comes from it. But most importantly, we want it because it honors you. You're worthy and we thank you. And we pray all in the matchless name of our great Savior Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. 
please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day. Thank you.